Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, a fellow libertarian. His name is Mikkel Thorup, and he is the world's most sought-after expat consultant. He focuses on helping high-net-worth private clients to legally mitigate tax liabilities, obtain a second residency and citizenship, and assemble a portfolio of foreign investments, including international real estate, timber plantations, agricultural land, and other hard money tangible assets. Mikkel is the founder and director of Expat Money, a private consulting firm started in 2017. He hosts the popular weekly podcast, The Expat Money Show, and wrote the definitive number one best-selling book, Expat Secrets, How to Pay Zero Taxes, Live Overseas, and Make Giant Piles of Money. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Lance. Happy to be here. Yeah, why don't we kick things off? Maybe you could tell us about exactly what you, you know what you do now, how you got here, and then are you, you know, are you from a family of entrepreneurs? You know, what what kicked off that entrepreneurial spirit of yours? I'm not really from a entrepreneurial background as a family, you could say. I'm kind of fallen into this myself. My my father was a a postal worker. I suppose my mother had some some entrepreneurial spirit throughout her life, but I think I'm the, definitely the first one who's really taken it to the next level and grown a. Uh, a substantial and, and successful business, you could say. Beautiful. Uh, what exactly is an expat consultant? You know, I see that name thrown around a lot. Maybe you can unpack that for us. Sure. Well, I guess, first of all, it's important to talk about the the lexicon itself. So what is an expat? So an expat is somebody who lives overseas. Now you can say, well, isn't that an immigrant? Well, kind of. An immigrant is someone who's moving to another country with the full intent of living there for the rest of their life. An expat is more likely to go for work or for particular reasons with the intent of coming home to their home country or moving on to another country. So me, for example, I consider myself an expat. I've lived overseas for 22 years, but I've lived in nine different countries. I never had an intent to go back to Canada where I was born and raised, but right now I'm an expat in Panama, but we also have a home in other countries and we're doing our citizenship in Turkey. And, you know, we travel and we live overseas in many different places, if that makes sense. It does so, make sense. So an expat consultant would be basically what I do is I help people figure out all of these things. So when I'm dealing with the tax issues, so the tax obligations of the country that they're leaving, the tax obligations of the country that they're going to, as well as any tax obligations of the country we might structure businesses or trusts or foundations, have their banking or their brokerage accounts or anything like that. So it's really the three different jurisdictions that we need to deal with the taxes, as well as all immigration issues for these same countries or, or possibly other countries. So it's helping them figure out a plan which is going to encapsulate all of this and then putting the plan into action. Yeah. You're, you're a self learner. Um, I saw in your bio that you, uh, you like to call yourself an auto, uh, dictact. And so on that note, I'm wondering if in what you do now, is there a lot, you know, how did you learn all this? Was it an on, on the job training? Did you have a mentor? 
I have had many mentors in my life. I've been very fortunate with this. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CPA myself. But the majority of the people that I spend time with, my friends, are lawyers and CPAs. And I've been working with them for a very long time. And I've had a chance to study underneath them and work directly with them. On top of that, I do a lot of trial and error in my own life. I'm kind of a guinea pig with a lot of these things. So I kind of have to figure things out. And after 22 years, you could, you can figure out a lot of things. And add to that, I probably read about 3000 books on the topic. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, bio maybe should be updated there. I, I haven't, I haven't noted that you've read over 2000 books. So I guess my question would be now out of the over 3000 books that you've read, what, what is one that you would absolutely recommend to everybody? Okay. Yes. I've read probably so to be to clarify, I've probably read 2,000 books about business and marketing and this type of things that I do in the offshore space. I've probably read 3,000 books if you include fiction, because I do like fiction quite a bit. Uh, I'm a pretty voracious reader. I read three to four hours a day and have done for 20 some odd years uh, without fail. Uh, a book that people would really get a lot of value at. Okay, not particular to my industry by any means, but there's a book by Carol S. Dweck called Mindset, which was a massive eye-opener for me when I read that. And I think I've read it maybe two or three times. And just the insights on the mindset of, of you as an entrepreneur and how you structure your life and personal responsibility was really fantastic, was, was just unbelievable for me. Beautiful. Uh, Tell us about, um, so what is it like when somebody comes to you? How do, you know, how do they find you? And then what does that consultation look like? You know, what's, what's, I mean, obviously we know what is in it for them. They get all this wonderful advice and they can uh, move in the trajectory towards these certain investments. And then obviously what's in it for you? How, how does that relationship work out? Yeah. So, okay. To answer the first part of that question, how do people would find me? So I have a podcast of myself. It's called the expat money show. We've been going for about six years now. So we've done over 200 episodes of the show. It's completely evergreen, the content. So you can go back and listen to tons, like hundreds of hours of, of fantastic content. Uh, we also have a blog at expatmoney.com where we're putting out tons of articles about immigration. And then, I mean, social media, if you're into that kind of thing, I mean, I'm not a huge social media fan, but we are pretty much everywhere people would want to find us. Now, the way that I work is I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. So traditionally I work with uh, high net worth individuals. Um, you know, the podcast, the blog, the newsletter, the summit, the social media, all these things are great ways for people who don't have a lot of money but still want to learn about these things. But for my services, I, I do charge quite a bit of money for them. It's very time and, and labor intensive on my behalf, you could say. And I take on a maximum of five private clients a month. Uh, sometimes I even decide on less. Like last month, I was traveling. I was in... Uh, Turkey, Rome, Lebanon, and Cyprus for three weeks. So obviously I was not taking on a lot of new client work during that month. Mm -hmm. So let's say I do about less than 50 people a month, or sorry, less than 50 people a year that will get a chance to work with me. And I'm, how to say this nicely, I'm in a nice financial situation where I don't have to say yes to all clients. I am actually very particular about who I work with. First of all, I want to make sure that I'm working with someone that I can help. Uh, second of all, who my people are very philosophically aligned. So I'm, 
quite an outspoken libertarian and very uh, ANCAP in my nature. So I kind of like to work with and support other libertarians to figure these types of things out. And um, I need to work with someone who is not a tire kicker. So I don't want to work with someone who, you know, talk, 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 but doesn't do anything. Right. You know, we're, we're here to get results. And, and we do, we get fantastic results if the person is very motivated and, uh, and wants to make a change in their life. But we're eliminating people's tax bill. We're moving them offshore. We're restructuring for asset protection and wealth protection. We're dealing with their estate planning, um, the businesses, how, how it's viewed in different countries, all the immigration. So you can think of it kind of like a a family office style setup, uh, virtual family office. Beautiful, beautiful. That all sounds very intriguing. Um, talk about your philosophy a little bit. I mean, did you find the philosophy through reading? You know, what, what kind of triggered your movement towards that? I think some people, you know, you probably hear this term a lot. People were red-pilled or black-pilled or white-pilled, and they all have their moments and, and time, and they can find out when from themselves that they, oh, this is the moment I my philosophy changed. So... <laughs> Uh, when I was child, when I was a child, I was diagnosed with a learning disability, and uh, basically, I, I won't go into the whole whole story, but basically, they pulled me out of school and sent me to um, to a special program, and uh, I absolutely had a horrible experience, and I and I absolutely despised it, and it really showed me how terrible state-run school is, and I ended up dropping out while I was tw- uh, when I was twelve years old, so that's why. Uh, I do call myself an autodidact, an autodidact polymath, because I'm self-taught on many different things. So my kind of introduction to libertarianism, I would say, was dealing with public education and how inefficient and ineffective and and forceful and violent it really is uh, from the system. Now, I remember, now certainly I didn't understand the word libertarianism at 12 years old, but I think that was kind of the genesis. But I remember when I was uh, living in New Zealand, I was probably about 19 or 20 or 21 years old, something like that. And uh, I was chit-chatting with a friend of mine and we were talking about different things. And he said, okay, Republicans believe this and Democrats believe this and libertarians believe, stay the fuck out of my business. And I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) So that kind of uh, had me starting to read about things and explore and yeah, depending how you count, I mean, from when I dropped out of school, like I'm, I'm almost 40 now, so 20, uh, 28 years for that. And since I actually heard the word libertarian, at least 20, 20 years, you could say. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the way you put that very eloquently, you know, stay the stay the F out. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Um, I can say I philosophically wise, we, we align up um, a lot in many ways um, on, on that on that note for sure. Um, you also are an avid traveler and, uh, you know, when I have folks on this show, I like to know a little bit more about them than just the business part. Um, so what, you've traveled to many, many places. Tell us about your favorite traveling adventure, maybe somewhere that people should travel that they don't talk about very often. Whew, that is a very good question. I have been traveling for 22 years straight now. So I've visited close to 110 countries, I think, 100 and I'm not exactly sure, somewhere around there. And um, I've lived in nine countries. So picking a favorite is kind of difficult. I can tell you about a couple of interesting experiences, though. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to North Korea probably Mm. about 10 years ago, which was a very uh, interesting experience. Um, 
I thought it was, I, I like to go to places that no one else goes to. And I like to make up my own decision about places. So yeah, North Korea, Iran, Zimbabwe, El Salvador, 20, 25 years ago, uh, Colombia, 20, 25 years ago, these types of places. Um, it was so interesting in North Korea though, because you hear all these stories or you see these movies, how they follow you around to do everything. And they're watching every move you make and recording everything. I actually found the experience to be kind of normal. We took the subway, we went to the fair, we went and saw a circus, we went out for normal dinners. Um, we were there for national day. So they do what's called a mass dance. So everybody comes in, they put on their best clothes and there's like organized dancing in the street. And I remember our guide said, okay, you go, you can go two, three blocks that way and two blocks that way and one block this way and just kind of stay in this general area. I'll see you back here in three hours. And it was like, okay, awesome. So we just wandered around and started talking to people. We actually had a Brazilian guy who was on the group tour with us who had lived in Seoul for like 10 years. So his Korean was phenomenal. And we went around and we were just chatting with people and talking. And we just had normal conversations about people and their family and life, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was so interesting because the way that mainstream media paints things is Iran and North Korea. They're evil. It's like, all right, yeah, weird government, kooky government. I don't agree with that whatsoever. But the people who are living there, they're not mm. inherently bad. I mean, people are people are people. And if you take a thousand people, 999 of them are going to be fantastic and great and all want the same thing. You know, they want a roof over their head. They want to be loved. They want a full belly. They want to protect their children. It doesn't matter where you're from. I think that there's more similarities between people than there are differences. The problem is that we have these sociopaths and sickos who are in government who are doing all these horrible things. And that goes for my country of Canada. That goes for North Korea. That doesn't change. That, that is a, an underlying condition of these people and, and how they behave. So I think it's just important to differentiate between government and the people, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. Michael Malice's book, Dear Reader, does a great job of that. He went to North Korea too. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that. Um, and you're right. Canada's Trudeau, is there that much difference um, when it comes down to dictatorial thought processes that he's implemented, especially over the last two years? I'm not sure. Um, positive on a positive note, <laughs> not that the, the experience wasn't positive over there, but, um, you also run a nonprofit. Um, where did, how did that start? Tell us about that. I would love for you to plug that. Yeah. So I sit on the board of directors for a nonprofit based out of Uganda. Uh, it's called 1018. So if you go to 1018.org, you'll be able to find out more information, but, um, you know, I've been traveling around the world to a lot of developing countries and third world countries and really saw the situation and decided that this was not something for me that I didn't want to support um, giving away charity because I thought that it would encourage people to not work. And as an entrepreneur, I, I want people to be productive and, and take care of themselves and have responsibility for themselves. Now, about a year or two years ago, I had a woman on my podcast call, uh, her name is Jennings Wright. And within an hour's conversation with her, she changed my life completely. She changed my outlook on how all of this fits together, on um, responsibility and, and how to give back and how to do it in a way 
which actually helps the situation. I don't want to have this white savior complex that I can go into another country and fix someone else's problems. I'm very much against this. Uh, the program that um, she started that I, I, um, I help with is uh, specifically helping teen mothers in the slums of Uganda. And uh, these are young girls, 14, 15, 16 years old, who have gotten pregnant um, in a lot of cases uh, through rape, through prostitution, whether voluntary prostitution or prostitution really just to survive. Like, I will give you some chicken and you will sleep with me. So really informal things. Um, and the families turn these girls away. So they have no skills. In a lot of cases, they can't read and write. They're illiterate. Uh, they might not even speak English at all. Um, the government's not doing anything. I mean, not that I would expect much government. So we go in there and um, work with the local population to teach entrepreneurial skills, uh, hairdressing, seamstress, these things like this. And we support them to get back on their feet and provide for themselves. We don't tell them what to do. We don't mm -hmm. force them to do anything. It's not, it's not a charity. It's, we call them skills for life. Um, and that's the type of work that we do. So, I mean, we could probably talk for two or three hours on this and, and the kind of the revelations that I've had and the changes and transformation in my own life. But I think it's a really fantastic organization that she's created. She's libertarian as well, so I can fully get behind that. Um, 100%, and I mean 100% of every penny goes towards uh, helping the girls. I don't take a salary. She doesn't take a salary. We don't take any expense accounts. We don't take anything. I'm, I'm a donor myself, so I would never take money from it. So there, there's, there's so many things in that to unpack, but... Uh, but yeah, it, it's really good and it's uh, helping a lot of people. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm so glad to, to, to meet people like you and, and kind of bring then your message out to more people and uh, hopefully it inspires them uh, to do something similar. A um, couple last questions I'd like to ask everybody. And uh, obviously, you know, the, the the big word, the buzzword that's been going around for about a month now or longer has been the recession, right? And uh, now, you know, the Biden administration claims we're not in a recession, they're going to re rename everything and, and redefine everything. Um, but clearly anybody who's who's a business owner or even just your common man on the street, they understand that uh, things aren't heading in the right direction. So where do you see the economy heading? I mean, do you see really dark days ahead or you think you know, it will actually be this soft landing? And then what do you think business owners should be doing to prepare? Well, I think, okay. It, it does break down a little bit between business owners and investors. Yeah. Now, I mean, as you said in the introduction, I am very much a hard money type of guy. So I very much like precious metals. I like real estate. I like agricultural land. I like tangible things that will keep up with inflation. Now, in mainstream media, you know, they're going to want to pretend that inflation is this magic thing that they don't know and understand. And it's this cosmic force that no one knows what's going on, uh, which is complete bull crap. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. They, they don't want people to understand it. That's why they don't talk about it. That's why they don't teach it in school, but it's really not that difficult of a concept. Um, you know, you can understand, you know, modern monetary theory with just a little bit of studying and, start doing a bit of reading on it. And I think that you should, but um, the majority of the things that I'm going to invest in will always keep up with inflation because as they inflate and devalue the currency, 
then the prices of these will rise. Is it going to be lockstep? One for one? No, probably not. They're going to have different timelines. But I'm a very long-term type of thinker, uh, very 40,000-foot view long-term. I'm not worried about the day-to-day. I'm not worried about what the Biden administration is going to do tomorrow because my life is not dependent on any of those types of things. I'm thinking more 5, 10, 20, 50-year trends. Now, as an entrepreneur, I think that this is a fantastic opportunity to really hone in on your clients and your customers, find out how you can help them and provide more value. I think that there is a lack of competency out there in the world these days that people have a victim mentality. No one wants to take responsibility for their lives. They, nobody can get anything done. And even, you know, if they make a mistake, they'll never admit that they've made a mistake. So, as a libertarian and, and someone who t- does take responsibility, this is your opportunity to really show yourself and, and outwork and outperform everybody else, which I think at the end of the day will have massive financial benefits to your business. Yeah, I agree I, wholeheartedly with the last part. I think that's at our firm, that's what we do. Uh, we try to just outcompete people with competency and, and honestly, just basic customer service of getting back to people. It, yeah. it astounds me to no end, actually, that this is the environment we're operating in where the customer service is complete. I, I, I don't think it's better at a lower point in my professional career, seeing other people compete. Um, two last questions here. Uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you, when you first started uh, your consulting business, what do you think one piece of advice you'd give your former self? Whew. Um, you know what? I don't really have a good answer for that because I have made a thousand and one mistakes as a business owner over the last decade or so. But, you know, one of the main things that I've, I've learned during this time is that making mistakes and screwing things up is part of the process and you absolutely have to go through it. Yes, it's fantastic to read books and autobiographies and learn from other people's mistakes. But I think the biggest thing is make your mistakes and allow yourself to make them and don't beat yourself up about it. Uh, I've made bad investments with my personal money. I've hired the wrong people for my business. I've invested money in my business, which I thought would have a return and it did not. And the faster that I can get over that, the better off I am. So I'd probably just go ahead and let 20-year-old Mikkel go through the mistakes, but maybe the only advice would be get over it faster. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just yeah. keep moving ahead. Just keep 100%. going. Exactly. Yeah. That's for, that's for me. I don't know. I like it. No, I like it. Everybody has a unique answer for that one because it's a very, it's a sort of off the cuff, unique question. Um, so I appreciate that insight. Um, Mikkel, this has been wonderful. I wish you the most success possible as a fellow libertarian and, and freedom fighter and, and person who just is on the same kind of level. I hope more people will find and follow you after listening to this show. So where can they do that? So there's two places. If you guys want to check out, eh, I say two and a half places. If you want to check out the podcast, obviously you just go to your normal podcasting app, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you search expat money show, E-X-P-A-T money show. And you'll see, uh, you'll see me there. Um, you guys can also go to expatmoney.com, which has the blog and the newsletter and links to the podcast, et cetera. But what we're actually doing is a summit this November. It's November 7th to 11th. And if you go to expatmoneysummit.com, you can pick up a free ticket. Now we've got 
a ton of fantastic speakers there. Uh, we've got Ron Paul, who will be speaking at the event. My friend Doug Casey will be there. Uh, I was on Tom Wood's show today. Tom might be coming on to speak. We'll see. Um, we're in talks with Robert Kennedy Jr., who might be a speaker as well. So those will all be good. But then there's a ton of names you will not know on the podcast. And this is great because these are the lawyers that I work with in all of the countries. So these are the lawyers in Colombia and Mexico and Brazil and Panama and all the different countries that I help people move to. And we deal with all their immigration and tax issues. So you might not know their names, but the information and the value that is in there is going to be fantastic. So it's at expatmoneysummit.com. You can go there, you can pick up a free ticket. We do have a, a VIP ticket, which is great. And if you want to support and you want to get a ton of bonuses, go for that. But if not, if you're just dipping your toes into this and you want to learn, then you can grab a free ticket at expatmoneysummit.com. Beautiful. I hope everybody checks that out. Thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate your time. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks, Lance. 